There's nothing like a beautiful wedding. Think for a second of the most beautiful wedding you've ever been to. Maybe it's your own. Then think about the beautiful reception, right? Tons of people, tons of food, the best of food, the best of drinks, music, my favorite part, the dancing, joy and celebration. Now imagine a royal wedding feast. There's no doubt about it. Jesus, one of Jesus' favorite ways to teach is through parables. And today, like the past six Sundays out of the seven or eight, we hear another parable of Jesus. And in this parable, he speaks about a royal wedding feast, a royal wedding banquet. And let's remember that in the parables, where do we find the meaning? Like I've said over and over again, where there's a twist, where we have ourselves scratching our head and say, what? And so, a king giving a wedding feast for his son. And the parable of Jesus really captures not just the attention of those he's speaking to 2,000 years ago, but to ourselves as well, because we know what it's like to go to a beautiful wedding. And we can imagine a royal wedding feast. And from the very beginning of the parable, we have a moment when we ask, really? What is going on? So the servants of the king are sent and invite the guests, but the guests refuse. Now, who would really pass up on the opportunity to go to a royal wedding feast? where the best of the best will be provided. I mean, why would you? And those invited in the parable deny the invitation, and it says they go one to his farm, another to his business. Namely, they pass it up to go to work. But then others who receive the invitation, they beat and kill the servants who were sent to invite them. What a strange reception and strange denial of a request to come to a wedding feast. And then what's the king's response? He sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. And not only that, he tells his servants to go to the streets, find anyone and everyone you can find, and invite them. The king says that the original guests, they were not worthy to come. And so with the new invitees, the banquet hall is full of people. You see, there's so many moments in the beginning of this parable where you're asking yourself, what kind of king is this? What kind of wedding banquet is this? What king would have destroyed and burned the city of those who refused to attend the wedding feast of his son? And what king would just go out and allow anyone and everyone to come into the wedding feast? If you think about a royal wedding that we've thrown today, they have a lot of big-name people coming to the wedding. If they refused, they wouldn't go out and just get anyone because only the elite would be invited. But this king is different. This is no ordinary king. This is no ordinary wedding feast. So how can we further understand this wedding banquet spoken about in the parable. Well, we have to go back to our first reading. 
Go back to the book of the prophet Isaiah. And Isaiah, which we heard moments ago, describes for us a future wedding banquet. And it's the future wedding feast of the Messiah who is to come. He says it will be on a mountain. It will provide for all peoples. Namely, it's going to be universal. It will be a feast of fat things and choice wines. Temple language. So it will be sacrificial. And that the Messiah will destroy death forever. In other words, it will be salvific. So this wedding banquet is universal, sacrificial, salvific. Does this sound familiar? Let's recall the night of the Last Supper when Jesus sat with his apostles and he he took bread and wine and he said it was his body and blood which would be given up that is sacrificed for who? For the many, for all peoples. And the banquet Christ established on that night of the Last Supper was finished as he drank the wine on the cross. The cross that was the means of our salvation, which destroyed death forever. You see, the Last Supper was universal. It was sacrificial. And it was salvific. This wedding feast, this wedding banquet established by Christ at the Last Supper continues today, though. It continues at every single Mass. You and I, my brothers and sisters, are like the wedding guests. We're invited every Sunday to a wedding feast, a wedding banquet. And yes, it does have the choices of food and the choices of drink because we receive the body, blood, soul and divinity of Jesus Christ. But is this banquet more than just the Last Supper? Is there something more to this wedding feast? Because Jesus likens this parable and this wedding feast to the kingdom of heaven. But we're on earth. And Isaiah speaks of death being destroyed forever, but we still experience death. So is this wedding feast the Last Supper? Is it the Mass? Or is it something in eternity? Yes. Yes. You see, at every Mass, my brothers and sisters, we have the privilege of participating now, in time, in this world, although not fully, in the eternal wedding feast of heaven. The wedding feast of the land described for us in the book of Revelation. You see, the kingdom of God at the end of time, when we're all there gathered around the king, it's a royal wedding feast. And guess what? This wedding reception doesn't last one evening. It lasts for all eternity. So let's go back to the parable. What's going on? Well, in the parable, the king is God. And the wedding feast for his son is for Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And the invitation is first to the Israelite people. He gathers them, calls them. But through their actions, through their misdeeds, they refuse to come to the wedding feast of the Messiah. 
They preferred other things rather than to attend the wedding. You see, he prepared prepared for them the best of the best, yet they refuse. And so now God opens the wedding feast to all nations. As the end of the Matthew, Matthew's gospel says, go out to every nation. Think of a place on this earth where the mass is not celebrated. It has reached all peoples. But this wedding feast is unique in another, in another way. You see, this wedding feast requires a wedding garment. In the parable, Jesus speaks about a man who was invited. He entered the feast. He's hanging out at the reception, but then he's approached by the king. The king noticed he wasn't wearing his wedding garment. And the king said to him, My friend, how is it that you came in here without a wedding garment? But the man was reduced to silence. He didn't have a good excuse. Then the king said to his attendants, bind his hands and feet and cast him into the darkness outside where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. Many are invited, but few are chosen. So what is this wedding garment that Jesus speaks of in the parable? The wedding garment, my brothers and sisters, is the garment of righteousness. The garment of holiness. The garment of good deeds, of faith. You see, he's missing the righteousness that is fitting to the kingdom of God. So although he's been invited to the wedding feast, he's not living up to the demands, the commands of the king. And so what happens to this man who's not prepared for the eternal wedding feast? He's cast out of the banquet. And this banquet represents the banquet of the kingdom of heaven. And it says he's cast into the outer darkness. And this outer darkness was a way to describe Gehenna. Gehenna being the realm of the damned. Jesus says elsewhere in the gospel that not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father in heaven. You see, to gain the kingdom, it takes righteousness. It takes more than words. It takes our deeds. It takes love. But the meaning of the wedding garment has something else to say to us today. First, it calls us to be rightly disposed on how we approach the wedding feast we come to every Sunday. Do we come prepared for the banquet? Are our hearts disposed? Are our hearts ready to offer sacrifice at this sacrificial feast? Are our hearts ready to receive Jesus at this salvific banquet? how we ought to present ourselves ready for the wedding feast. But let's go a little further than that. Let's not just focus on the interior, but maybe even on the exterior. Now, let me ask you a question. If you were invited tomorrow to a royal wedding, what would you wear? 
Would you wear shorts and a t-shirt? Would you wear flip-flops? Would you go dressed as you're going to a beach? Or to lounge at home? Or ladies, would you not get your best dress out? Do your hair all up and put your makeup on? Men, would you not find your best suit, your best clothes? Would you not groom yourself, get your hair all combed and ready, and look sharp? If we would do that for a normal wedding we find here on earth, why don't we do that when we go to the wedding feast of the King of Kings? Because every Sunday we encounter Jesus Christ. And see, our exterior should be a sign, a symbol of how we're coming prepared interiorly. It should show the people around us that I have come to meet someone very special. I have come to offer my life to something way much greater than I am. I've come to something special. I've come to receive someone special, Jesus Christ. One might reply, well, Father, Jesus says, come as you are. Really? Because nowhere in the Gospels does Jesus say that. Now, does Jesus meet us where we are? You bet. But then he says, follow me. And when we follow Jesus, our response should be fit for a king of royalty. I'd like to recall the story when Jesus approaches the apostles after the resurrection. Can you recall that story? They're going fishing. And Jesus walks on the beach. And John, because he can see the Lord, he knows when the Lord is present, he says to the other apostles, it is the Lord. And then John accounts for us a very interesting detail about the story. He says this. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his clothes, for he was stripped for working and sprang into the sea. Now Peter's fishing. He's got his work clothes on. But when he sees the Lord, he knows he's about to get soaking wet, yet he puts his garb back on. He does so because the king is present. His Lord is before him, and his Savior beckons him to come. How much more if Peter approaches Jesus on that beach by putting his clothes back on, how much more should we present ourselves to the king at the wedding feast of the Lord? Our brothers and sisters, may we consider the ways both exteriorly and interiorly, the ways that we approach the greatest wedding feast we can ever be invited to, the wedding feast of the Lamb, the wedding banquet of our Savior, the royal wedding of our King, Jesus Christ.